Section 33 of Poems of American History, The Colonial Era. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Ed Humple. Poems of American History, The Colonial Era. Chapter 8, The Struggle for the Continent, Part 2. Peace was declared in 1697, but hostilities began again five years later, and early in 1704, Vaudrill, governor of Canada, dispatched a force of 300 under Hertel de Rouville against Deerfield on the northwestern frontier of Massachusetts. They reached their destination a little before daylight on February 29th, and, finding the sentinels asleep and the snow drifted over the palisades, rushed the place and carried it, with the exception of one blockhouse, which held out successfully. THE SACK OF DEERFIELD February ninth, 1704 Of the onset fear-inspiring, and the firing and the pillage of our village, when de Rouville with his forces on us fell. When, ere dawning of the morning, with no death-portending warning, with no token shown or spoken, came the foemen, hear me tell. High against the palisados, on the meadows, banks, and hillsides, at the rillsides, over fences, lay the lingering winter snow and so high by tempest rifted at our pickets it was drifted and its frozen crust was chosen as a bridge to bear the foe we had set at night a sentry lest an entry while the sombre heavy slumber was upon us by the frenchman should be made but the faithless knave we posted though of wakefulness he boasted stead of keeping watch was sleeping and his solemn trust betrayed then our slumber none profounder never sounder fell on sleeper never deeper sleep its shadow cast on dull and listless frames and it fled before the crashing of the portals and the flashing and the soaring and the roaring and the crackling of the flames fell the shining hatchets quickly mid the thickly crowded women growing dim and crimson currents from the pulses of the brain rained the balls from firelocks deadly till the melted snow ran redly with the glowing torrent flowing from the bodies of the slain I, from pleasant dreams awaking at the breaking of my casement with amazement saw the foemen enter quickly where i lay heard my wife and children screaming as the hatchets woke their dreaming heard their groaning and their moaning as their spirits passed away twas in vain i struggled madly as the sadly sounding pleading of my bleeding dying darlings fell upon my tortured ears twas in vain i wrestled raging fight against their numbers waging crowding round me there they bound me while my manhood sunk in tears at the spot to which they bore me no one o'er me watched or warded there unguarded bound and shivering on the snow i lay alone watching by the firelight ruddy as the butchers dark and bloody slew the nearest friends and dearest to my memory ever known and it seemed as rose the roaring blaze up soaring redly streaming o'er the gleaming snow around me through the shadows of the night that the figures flitting fastly were the fiends at revels ghastly madly urging on the surging seething billows of the fight suddenly my gloom was lightened hope was heightened through the shrieking malice reeking ruthless wretches death were scattering to and fro for a knife lay there i spied it and a tomahawk beside it glittering brightly buried lightly keen edge upward in the snow not knew i how came they thither nor from whither not to me then if the heathen dark my captors dropped those weapons there or no quickly drawn o'er axe edge lightly cords were cut that held me tightly then with engines of my vengeance in my hands i sought the foe 
oh what anger dark consuming fearful glooming looming horrid lit my forehead draped my figure leapt with fury from my glance midst the foemen rushing frantic to their sight i seemed gigantic like the motion of the ocean like a tempest my advance stoutest of them all one savage left the ravage round and faced me fury braced me for i knew him he my pleading wife had slain huge he was and brave and brawny but i met the slayer tawny and with rigorous blow and vigorous clove his tufted skull in twain madly dashing down the crashing bloody hatchet in his brain as i brained him rose their calling lo appalling from yon meadow the manito of the white man comes with vengeance in his train as they fled my blows titanic falling fast increased their panic till their shattered forces scattered widely o'er the snowy plain stern to rueville then their error born of terror soon dispersing loudly cursing them for folly roused their pride with words of scorn peering cautiously they knew me and by numbers overthrew me fettered surely bound securely there again i lay forlorn well i knew their purpose horrid on each forehead it was written pride was smitten that their bravest had retreated at my ire for the rest the captives durance but for me there was assurance of the tortures known to martyrs of the terrible death by fire then i felt the horror stricken pulses quicken as the swarthy savage or the savage frenchman fiercest of the cruel band darted in and out the shadows through the silvered palisados death blows dealing with unfeeling heart and never sparing hand soon the sense of horror left me and bereft me of all feeling soon revealing all my early golden moments memory came showing how when young and sprightly with a footstep falling lightly i had pondered as i wandered on the maid i loved to name her so young so pure so dove-like that the love-like angels whom a sweet aroma circles ever wheresoe'er they move their wings felt with her the air grow sweeter felt with her their joy completer felt their gladness swell to madness silent grow their silver strings then i heard her voices murmur breathing summer while my spirit leaned to hear it and to drink it like a draught of pleasant wine felt her head upon my shoulder drooping as my love i told her felt the utterly pleased flutter of her heart respond to mine then i saw our darlings clearly that more nearly linked our gladness saw our sadness as a lost one sank from pain to happy rest mingled tears with hers and chid her bade her by our love consider how our dearest now was nearest to the master's blessed breast i had lost that wife so cherished who had perished passed from being in my seeing i unable to protect her or defend at that thought dispersed those fancies born of woe-begotten trances while unto me came the gloomy present hour my heart to rend for i heard the firelocks ringing fiercely flinging forth the whirring blood preferring leaden bullets to a garrisoned abode there it stood so grim and lonely speaking of its tenants only when the furious leaden couriers from its loopholes fastly rode and the seven who kept it stoutly though devoutly triumph praying ceased not slaying trusting somewhat to their firelocks and their wives for while they the house were holding balls the wives were quickly moulding neither fearful wild nor tearful toiling earnest for their lives onward rushed each dusky leaguer hot and eager but the seven raised the leaven from their firelocks as the pagans forward pressed melting at that murderous firing back with baffled foe retiring left their lying dead or dying ten their bravest and their best 
rose the red sun straightly throwing from his glowing disk his brightness on the whiteness of the snowdrifts in the ruins of the town on those houses well defended where the foe in vain expended ball and powder standing prouder smoke begrimed and scarred in brown not for us those rays shone fairly tinting rarely dawning early with the pearly light and glistening of the march's snowy morn some were wounded some were weary some were sullen all were dreary as the sorrow of that morrow shed its cloud of woe forlorn then we heard de rouville's orders to the borders and the dismal dark abysmal fate before us opened widely as he spoke but we heard a shout in distance into fluttering existence brief but splendid quickly ended at the sound our hopes awoke twas our kinsmen armed and ready sweeping steady to the northward pressing forward fleet and fearless though in scanty force they came cried de rouville grimly speaking ist our captives you are seeking well with iron we environ them and wall them round with flame with the toil of blood we won them we've undone them with our bravery off to slavery then we carry them or leave them lifeless here foul my shame so far to wander and my soldiers blood to squander mid the slaughter free as water should our prey escape us clear off ye scum of peasants saxon and your backs on frenchmen turning to our burning dauntless courage proper tribute promptly pay do you come to seize and beat us are you here to slay and eat us if your meat be gall and mohawk we will starve you out to-day how my spirit raged to hear him standing near him bound and helpless never whelpless tigress fiercer howled at slayer of her young when secure behind his engines he has baffled her of vengeance then did i there forced to lie there with his bitter taunts he flung for i heard each leaden missile whir and whistle from the trusty firelock rusty brought there after long absence from the strife and was forced to stand in quiet with my warm blood running riot when for power to give an hour to battle i had bartered life all in vain they thus had striven backward driven beat and broken leaving token of their coming in the dead around the dell they retreated well it served us their retreat from death preserved us though the order from our murder from the dark de rouville fell as we left our homes in ashes through the lashes of the sternest welled the earnest tears of anguish for the dear ones passed away sick at heart and heavily loaded though with cruel blows they goaded sorely cumbered miles we numbered for alone that weary day they were tired themselves of tramping for encamping they were ready ere the steady twilight newer pallor threw upon the snow so they built them huts of branches in the snow they scooped out trenches heaped up firing then retiring let us sleep our sleep of woe by the wrist and by no light hand to the right hand of a painted murder tainted loathsome pagan with a jeer i soon was tied and the one to whom they bound me mid the scoffs of those around me bowing to me mocking drew me down to slumber at his side as for me be sure i slept not slumber crept not on my senses less intense his lover's musing than a captive's bent on ways to escape from fearful thralling and a death by fire appalling so unsleeping i was keeping on the northern star my gaze there i lay no muscle stirring mind unerring thought unswerving body nerving till a death-like breathless slumber fell around then my right hand cautious stealing o'er my bedmate's person feeling till each finger stooped to linger on the belt his waist that bound twas his knife 
the handle clasping firmly grasping forth i drew it clinging to it firm but softly with a more than robber's art as i drove it to its utter length of blade i heard the flutter of a snowbird ah twas no bird twas the flutter of my heart then i cut the cord that bound me peered around me rose uprightly stepped as lightly as a lover on his blessed bridal day swiftly as my need inclined me kept the bright north star behind me and ere dawning of the morning i was twenty miles away thomas dunn english under french soldiers and priests the war continued to be conducted with a cruelty as aimless as it was brutal isolated hamlets were burned and their inhabitants tortured or taken prisoners only for the most part to be butchered on the way to canada on August 29, 1708, a party of French and Indians under de Chalon and the infamous de Rouville surprised the town of Haverhill. Rushing upon it, as their custom was, just before daylight, they fired several houses, plundered others, and killed some thirty or forty of the inhabitants. The townspeople rallied, and after an hour's fighting drove away the assailants, killing nearly thirty, among them de Rouville himself. Penn Tucket August twenty ninth, seventeen o eight. How sweetly on the wood girt town, the mellow light of sunset shone. Each small bright lake, whose waters still mirror the forest and the hill, reflected from its waveless breast the beauty of a cloudless west. Glorious as if a glimpse were given within the western gates of heaven, left by the spirit of the star of sunset's holy hour, ajar. Beside the river's tranquil flood, the dark and low-walled dwelling stood, where many a rood of open land stretched up and down on either hand, with corn-leaves waving freshly green, the bright and blackened stumps between, behind unbroken deep and dread, the wild untraveled forest spread, back to those mountains, white and cold, of which the Indian trapper told, upon whose summits never yet was mortal foot in safety set. Quiet and calm, without a fear, of danger darkly lurking near, the weary laborer left his plough, the milkmaid caroled by her cow. From cottage door and household hearth rose songs of praise or tones of mirth. At length the murmur died away, and silence on that village lay. So slept Pompeii, tower and hall, ere the quick earthquake swallowed all, undreaming of the fiery fate which made its dwellings desolate hours passed away by moonlight sped the merrimac along his bed bathed in the pallid lustre stood the dark cottage wall and rock and wood silent beneath that tranquil beam as the hushed grouping of a dream yet on the still air crept a sound no bark of fox nor rabbit's bound no stir of wings nor waters flowing nor leaves in midnight breezes blowing was that the tread of many feet which downward from the hillside beat? What forms were those which darkly stood just on the margin of the wood? Charred tree stumps in the moonlight dim, or paling rude or leafless limb? No, no. Through the trees fierce eyeballs glowed, dark human forms in moonshine showed, wild from their native wilderness with painted limbs and battle dress. A yell the dead might wake to hear, swelled on the night air far and clear, then smote the Indian tomahawk on crashing door and shattering lock, then rang the rifle shot, and then the shrill death scream of stricken men sank the red axe in woman's brain, and childhood's cry arose in vain. 
Bursting through roof and window came red, fast and fierce, the kindled flame, and blended fire and moonlight glared on still dead men and scalp-knives bared. The morning sun looked brightly through the river willows, wet with dew. No sound of combat filled the air. No shout was heard, nor gunshot there. Yet still the thick and sullen smoke from smouldering ruins slowly broke, and on the green sward many a stain, and here and there the mangled slain told how the midnight bolt had sped, Pentucket, on thy fated head. Even now the villager can tell where Rolf beside his hearthstone fell, still show the door of wasting oak through which the fatal death-stroke broke, and point the curious stranger where de Rouville's corpse lay grim and bare, whose hideous head, in death still feared, bore not a trace of hair or beard. And still, within the churchyard ground, heaves darkly up the ancient mound, whose grass-covered surface overlies the victims of that sacrifice. John Greenleaf Whittier End of section 33